The following podcast is a member of the Pokecasters Network. Pokecasters Network, supporting Pokemon content creators, their shows, and the community of Pokemon fans. To find out more, check out pokecastersnetwork.com or find us on Twitter and Facebook. Welcome to the Pokepress Digest Podcast, a Pokemon news magazine show. Here you'll find some of the best content offered by our site. For more, visit us at pokepress.blogspot.com. This episode has two segments. In the first, Anne from Pikachu Podcast joins me to discuss the music of my Pokemon Ranch for the week. Well, it might be light in a lot of areas, this title still had enough material for us to make some observations. As usual, there's a game discussion after the outro. Our second segment is a round of Pokemon music trivia. Anne tests her knowledge against the quiz covering the games, anime, and more. If you'd like to give it a try, there's a link in the episode description. Thanks. Hi folks, Steven here. I'm on the phone with Anne from Pikachu Podcast. And we're still working our way through the Pokemon side games and their music. We've come up to My Pokemon Ranch, which is uh, a WiiWare title. It's kind of like the predecessor to Pokemon Home in some ways, as well as some of the other Pokemon storage utilities. This one has a little bit more of a personality, which may or may not have done it that much good. We'll sort of talk about that a little bit later. And uh, once we're done talking about the music of that, we also plan on doing a Pokemon music trivia round a little bit later. So that's something a little bit special that we're trying out just for this time because... My Pokemon Ranch isn't that big of a title uh, in musical content or otherwise, but we still wanted to talk about it. All right, well, let's start with a little bit of background on this title. My Pokemon Ranch is a WiiWare title that was released back in 2008. In Japan, it was released in March. In North America, it was released in June of 2008. And in in Europe and Australia, it was released in July of 2008, so not too far apart. It's a fourth-generation side game. And maybe the word game is a little bit loose here, because it's actually more of a storage utility. Uh, sort of the follow-up, I guess, the Pokemon box and the predecessor to the modern Pokemon Home. Uh, they decided to give it a little bit of a backstory and uh, try to give it some personality. We'll kind of talk about how well that worked. But as far as when this originally came out, I definitely remember hearing about it. I did pick it up. It was a thousand Wii points, which is about $10 in real money back in the day. This is before Nintendo started uh, letting you just directly buy stuff with a credit card and stuff like that. You had to buy the points, then buy the thing. I played it for a little while. I enjoyed it a little bit, but I kind of did get pretty tired out of it. Now, Anne, I think you're... Experience is obviously different. You had, uh, first off, you had the Wii Mini well late into the cycle, and the Wii Mini can't even go online, so there's no way you could have actually gotten this title anyway, but you had at least some awareness of it, right? You'd, you'd at least heard of it, right? Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's infamy uh, lives on strong. <laughs> um, yeah, like, again, I have a lot of I don't know, awareness of it. And I'm not, I know I never owned it. So I'm not entirely sure where it comes from. If it's just from, again, the reputation it has just being so uh, incredibly uh, profound, 
or if like somebody actually did bring it to a convention and I happened to wander by it at some point. So it's kind of an odd place in my Pokemon life. Well, odd is is definitely a word you could use. <laughs> um, well, as far as the actual production, we don't know a ton about who exactly worked on it other than it was published by Umbrella, who I'm sure the folks at home will probably know worked on Hey You Pikachu and Pokemon Channel, another couple oddities in the Pokemon side game lineup. And uh, I did check through, I did take a look today, there doesn't seem to be any sort of credits that go with the game. However, it's pretty likely that the music in this game was done by Miki Obata, who worked on most, if not all, of Umbrella's Pokemon games. I assume, Anne, based on the style in here, that's sort of your agreement as well. Yeah, the styles definitely match, and like, I don't know, Bulbapedia has a staff list that, again, seems to imply that Miku Obata was kind of running the show for sound design and probably music as well. So that's a probably a good guess. Yeah. Did you ever find out any more information? It's been a little while since we <laughs> talked about, I think the last game of theirs we talked about with Pokemon Dash. Did you find out anything since then? I still cannot fully decide. I, I feel like they are probably not the same person that we thought they were, but I still haven't found like definitive, like, you know, somebody wrote an article that I can, you know, translate and read proof. So I'm, I'm sorry, everybody, I've failed in my duties. Well, I guess maybe she just wants to be left to herself since she is apparently retired now. But um, some people like to, yeah, just do their job really well. I <laughs> can. As far as kind of the overall style of there, I definitely would call most of the music in this title sedate. It's not super energetic. Not that there's, there isn't a ton of energetic mu- music in some of the other uh, Umbrella Pokemon games, but there is a little bit, and there's a little bit here, but definitely more on the low-key side of the music spectrum. I, I, I assume that you would agree with that, Anne. Yeah, it, it does feel a little more stripped down and less full than some of the past ones. Yeah, well, while listening to the soundtrack of this game, I did try and figure out on my own uh, whether there was any influence from sort of this this being a Wii game. I was wondering if there was any influence from sort of the other Wii menu type stuff, like the, well, the shop channel is a lot more energetic than most of what's in this game, but I was thinking more like the <laughs> the regular Wii menu or maybe the Me channel or stuff like that. I think there might be a little influence there from this, but I can't, you know, put my finger on anything that might sort of definitively put that one way or the other, but I was curious if you sort of uh, had that in the back of your mind at all. I was thinking a little bit of Wii Fit, actually, but, like, not enough for me to really draw a line, but, like, there is something about it that just feels like they they could have maybe taken a little influence from it. But, like, that doesn't involve the Miis so much. But it is another game that does incorporate your me into it, I suppose. Yeah, there aren't a ton of Pokemon games that do that. But this is, I think this is the first one that actually has that type of integration. So, Mm -hmm. uh, since Pokemon Battle Revolution did not. All right, well, as I kind of alluded to, this is not the biggest Pokemon game out there. We're not entirely sure that might be because of some of the limitations that have been placed on WiiWare, where their file size has to be like 40 megabytes or less, which even in 2008 was not a lot for a game. Um, but the entire soundtrack for this, there are 
depends on how you count and stuff like that, but there are almost certainly fewer than 10 and maybe as few as six or seven tracks on there. So rather than the normal uh, three each that we would pick, we each pick two songs for this one. Let's see. I picked the daytime music and the parade music. And what did you pick? I picked the Look-See Ranch daytime theme and then the nighttime theme for my ranch. Yeah, kind of interesting. There's a there's a character called Haley, which is sort of the avatar of this game in me form, although you do get to see a more standard Pokemon NPC drawing of her at the very start of the game. But we kind of skipped over her theme, which I guess, I'm not sure exactly what that says, but in any case... <laughs> We'll start off with one of my picks, which is the daytime music. This one starts off with a piano intro. It has kind of a, I guess, a lazy guitar is kind of what I put down there. I don't know. Anne, what were your, sort of your thir- first thoughts about this track? Yeah, it, lazy guitar works really well. Like, the entire soundtrack kind of sounds a lot like background music, jazz slash elevator music. Like, so like, there's definitely a very laid-back, contemporary, jazz, adult-listening sort of feel to it with, like, a lot of, like, picking on this guitar. But, like, again, as you say, kind of lazy. It's got a a groove to it. So it's just, it's very soothing. (laughs) Yeah, in my notes, I I say it has kind of a daydream quality to it. It's obviously not the most energetic thing out there. And I actually think it might go well with a chores montage if this were being used in a more... Uh, specific circumstance in like the anime or or TV show or something like that. Uh, And any thoughts on those? Yeah, that could be like kind of just a life outside sort of montage of everybody, you know, doing all their getting the Pokemon ready for the day type stuff and making lunch and whatever. Hmm. All right. Well, then for contrast, let's talk about the nighttime music. Uh, this this game does tie in, as you may have guessed, to the Wii system clock. So it does know what time of day and what date it is. And you picked out the, the general nighttime theme. Uh, what struck you there? Well, I picked it mostly because you picked the daytime. And what I found interesting about this track is like it's very much the same vibe as the track we just talked about. Except instead of that lazy guitar, there's more of a flute taking point for the melody, which kind of gives it kind of more of a club vibe, I suppose, or like more of a cool in terms of temperature, which which kind of evokes night, I suppose. But I just kind of thought it was very interesting that like the two tracks are very, very similar in that way and going for very similar, but like just changing an instrument like, and the melodies are different, but, like, it's mostly really the instrument change that makes you really feel like it's a different track. So I just found that very interesting. Yeah, there does seem to be a little bit of a melodic through line between some of the tracks here. It's not as strong as it is in something like, I think the strongest one out there is probably Hey You Pikachu. And then, of course, in Pokemon Channel, there's sort of the, the Pokemon Channel theme, that uh, is in a lot of the the TV eye catches and stuff like that. But um, there's a little bit of a through line here. One thing I kind of noticed with some of the tracks is there seems to be a very faint strings part in some of them. Did you pick that out at all? In some of them. It, like, it doesn't seem to be as prominent as, uh, again, like kind of that piano sort of uh, keyboard vibes. But like there is a little bit of it, yeah. 
Well, as far as this nighttime track, coming back to that, uh, I think the, the, the mood I came up with for this one was calming, because it definitely has that feel to it. Uh, you seem to have alluded to that there. I assume you kind of uh, agree with that sentiment. I do, I do. Yeah, calming is a good way to put it, but in a different way than the daytime theme. All right, then let's go on to my second pick. This is probably the most energetic song on the soundtrack. There are a couple that have a little more energy than those the last two we talked about, but this one is the parade theme. So one thing you can do in this game is there's an option, I think, called Parade. I forget if it's like a top-level option or if it's buried somewhere, but you can definitely go into that. And what it'll do is you'll have uh, one of your Mies in the front, and then all your Pokemon that you have in the ranch, which can go up into the hundreds or even to like a thousand or more, will sort of file in line behind you. And then there's this music that comes up, and you know... To be honest, I don't know that it's my favorite song from this game. It probably isn't, but it's just such a departure from pretty much everything else that I wanted to sort of put it out there. As you might guess, it's sort of a a celebration march type of deal where um, you know, you, like you have a band playing or a marching band or stuff like that. I assume, Anne, that sort of jumped out to you right away there. Yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of Interesting to me that, like, again, as you say, it's actually got some energy and a rhythm and, like, a slightly different rhythm, too, than every other track um, on the soundtrack. And yet it's still almost a little bit more laid back than I would expect. So, like, they stayed on brand even at this moment. And that's that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, I'm also thinking from maybe, I don't know if fidelity is the right word to use here, but from, from that standpoint, it seems like there might be a... Um, you know, they didn't want it to sound like it was recorded in a studio, so they have uh, they wanted to have it more of like a live marching band type of feel, which is what it's supposed to evoke. Interesting. Yeah. But like any marching band song, pretty much it's got horns, drums, I think some woodwinds as well. Um, so that that was sort of what stood out to me. I've, I had to pick this one out, even though it may not technically be my favorite to listen to. It is. It stands out from the rest of the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And they definitely did a good job of giving it, um, as you say, structure and a bit more variation so that if you had to loop it for a long time, if you were one of the people with a lot of Pokemon, like I can see how it wouldn't get so incredibly tedious after number, what, 200, however many you can have in this game. <laughs> many more than that, actually. This is Gen 4, right? <laughs> like. <laughs> Well, you can have multiples of the same Pokemon in your ranch. Oh, so. yeah. So some someone probably really went for, for everything. <laughs> oh, yes. All right. Well, <laughs> it isn't just your ranch in this game. I think most of this doesn't work anymore because the Wii Online stuff has long been shut down for years now. Um, but you actually have the possibility of having visitors come to your ranch and going to visit other people's ranches. And uh, that brings in another set of day and night tunes. And you picked the Look-See Ranch daytime theme. What sort of caught your attention there? Well, I actually like this song for starters. Like, not that I dislike all the others, but like when I was listening to it, like I just really enjoyed this track. Of all of them, it is the most jazzy and like makes me feel like I'm in kind of like a classic you know, nightclub with a pianist and, you know, a sultry singer. Like, that's the mood it evoked, which doesn't 
really seem to fit the vibe of the ranch in the daytime, but whatever. But I really liked it. And like, to the point, like, that it sounded like that I really almost expected vocals to come in at some point. It it also reminds me of a song I've been listening to a lot lately, On the Rocks, a, a Vocaloid song. Like, it just kind of very much has that vibe of just, you're in an old jazzy nightclub. And yeah, so I just, I think that's interesting, the juxtaposition of like, I would have expected a vibe like that to fit the nighttime a little bit more, maybe, not the daytime. It just feels, again, a very indoor sort of vibe rather than a ranch in the outdoors. But also, I just really like this song. Yeah, there weren't any songs in this game I actively disliked or anything like that. This one was just another pleasant one, I guess. That part you said about, you know, expecting a voice to come in, I don't think they could have done that with uh, the we wear size limitations very well. But uh, just thinking about it myself, yeah, I, I thought they could bring in one or two more parts on this one. Uh, what else did you have to say about that? I think I agree with you. Like, again, we'll never know. And it's, you know, it's not like this is proof or anything. But there's definitely, as you say, room in that track for more. And given how much I almost expected to be hearing a vocal line at some point in the song at any given moment and it never happened like it does feel like at some point maybe there was a little bit more planned for this track that for whatever reason just never came into fruition all right well like i said we did sort of restrict our choices here just because the soundtrack is so small we did mention a few of the other ones there's a a look-see nighttime there's let's see one for transferring your pokemon over there's a couple other tracks in the game but uh, why don't we sort of talk about our overall impressions of the game? Now, we had we had sort of talked, I think it was last year, about Pokemon Dash, which seemed like, to be honest, a pretty much on all fronts a rush job to get that out as an early DS game, including the music there. I think quality-wise, this game is much more in line with my expectations of, assuming Miki Obata did the music for this, which seems pretty likely... Quality-wise, it's much more in line there, and I was much more pleased with uh, the material in this game. And do you sort of agree with that? Do you have a different opinion? Uh, How do you feel about it? Mixed. Because on the one hand, like... mm, (laughs) I'm really impressed with one of the tracks, like a lot, because I said I just really like um, the, the other Pokemon Ranch's daytime theme. I do, like, overall, like the vibe of this soundtrack. There are parts of it where I feel like it is a little lacking, though. And it's hard to compare it to Pokemon Dash, because, like, they're about equal in my mind musically, but for different reasons. Like, again, just the general lack of music in this particular game is kind of disappointing, although it is the type of game where maybe, like, it doesn't support a ton of music because there's not a ton going on. So I guess I'm a little mixed. I I really do appreciate what is there musically. Certainly. I just, there's not a ton to work with to build a higher opinion of it though, I think is the main problem. Do you think the game suffered because it's setting is so narrow you're at either your ranch or someone else's ranch. There are no other settings in the game. Do you think that sort of limited things or, or contributed to the to that? Or yeah, absolutely. Um, we've talked on past shows of, about 
like, various locations in a particular game, like, maybe inspired a, a different type of instrumentation or a different rhythm or, you know, something based on what was happening in the game. And the fact that this, you know, very little happens, you stay in the same place, um, almost, uh, like, there's just less opportunities for new ideas to come and less reason to show us, the listener, these new ideas, um, if anybody had any. So it's, yeah, like I said, it's just... Not much. <laughs> yeah, another consideration is that, you know, there's a tendency, at least for some folks, to leave this game on for a long time to see if things will happen and stuff like that. How well do you think this, the, particularly the, the main daytime and nighttime themes, if you had to listen to them for, you know, 20 plus minutes on end, uh, how, how do you think you would feel about that? Ooh. <laughs> I can see that getting tedious after a while. I think, again, this type of music, it just, again, being very jazzy, can has a bit more of a shelf life in that department because it doesn't hit your brain in that very four-on-four -four structured, um, repetitive way. But that doesn't necessarily mean it can stand up to 20 minutes, an hour, whatever, <laughs> of just repetition. These These are not super long tracks to begin with. So... Yeah, I think that could sour a lot of people's opinions after a while. All right, well, the name of the game is My Pokemon Ranch. It takes place on a ranch. It's not explicitly, like, southern or western or anything like that, but I think we'd be remiss if we didn't try and compare it to some of the more western music in the GameCube Pokemon games, you know, Colosseum, Gale of Darkness which have much more of a uh, harmonica vibe and are certainly going much more for an Old West type of feel. Would you? Do you think you would like this game better if it went more in that direction than what it did here? I don't know, partly because I personally don't particularly love that kind of music. I kind of like what you say, like the ranch itself doesn't specify a location, which I think gives, in some ways, gives it a lot of freedom to play around with um, different styles, um, which again leads us to this kind of odd but interesting choice of being nightclub-esque rather than, say, harm old man on a harmonica grizzled prospector. I don't think I would have liked it personally. I do think to a Western audience, it would have just like, you know, fit because we are, that is something that is a an auditory signal to us of location. I think there are a lot of traditional Japanese things um, to kind of suggest, like the pasture and the rural area that also could have been employed uh, to great effect. But I don't know that I necessarily would have liked it better. Again, I think there's just not a ton to build a solid favorable opinion on. <laughs> well, like I said, I, I think I generally enjoyed the music in here, but I do want to point out one more thing. I said we don't know exactly if Miki about this because there are no credits that I could find. However, I did find when I looked through some of the FAQ stuff that there is an option to actually turn the music off. You have to press like a specific button combination or something like that. I think it might actually be during startup you have to do it. But I'm not sure what that says about the music in this game. I mean, obviously, the modern Pokemon games all have actually relatively fine-tuned controls where you can adjust the volume of the music, the sound effects, Pokemon voices, stuff like that. I don't think it was Umbrella's intention to sort of throw shade on the music of this game, but I don't know. Anne, any reaction? 
<laughs> I mean, as you say, surely not like they're trying to send a message about how like we hate our soundtrack or something. Surely not. But as a person who very often plays games while listening to other media, like I used to listen to the radio, I used to listen to CDs and stuff while playing other games, like I can see that being a feature that consumers would appreciate. Just the option, the option to maybe today I won't have the sound on and I'll chat with my family or something while I play or I, I I think it probably is more that route than um anything more malicious. <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably the case. We're a miracle wasn't written or rewritten to work with Pokey on the first movie. And if for some reason you don't believe me on that, I do have an email from one of the folks behind the song. In any event, despite its unrelated origins it seems to do a great job matching up with the film. But why is that? There's the obvious stuff, like references to a storm and tears early in the piece, and some later lyrics that provide a good summary of the relationship between Ash and Pikachu. However, there's another possible explanation. We're a Miracle definitely features some of Christina's more aggressive vocal qualities. Normally this gives her songs a sensual vibe, but here it has the benefit of making her sound a bit more like well, you know. Anyway, if you'd like to hear a more in-depth analysis of this song, as well as its Japanese equivalent, Together with the Wind, a few years ago I recorded a discussion with Anne from PV Podcast, and you should find a link in the episode description. Thanks. All right, well, with my Pokemon Ranch out of the way, we decided that since that was a relatively small game with a relatively small soundtrack... We take some time now to do a little bit of an experiment, and we're going to do a Pokemon music quiz. The way this works is I've built up a quiz on a website called Kahoot. If you'd like to give it a try, there's a link in the episode description. Uh, This is a fairly common quiz site, although Anne wasn't actually familiar with it until today. I had to kind of loop her in on it. I'm not cool. I'm not cool. I'm sorry, everybody. (laughs) But I am going to boot up the quiz. Anne has not seen the questions on this quiz, so she's going to be playing along. So uh, we'll see how this all turns out. But it's all Pokemon music stuff. It covers various areas of the franchise, from the main series games to the side games, to the anime, to various other things and stuff like that. I did try to pick questions that had a very uh, had a range of difficulty levels from easy to harder. And uh, so we'll get that started up. But definitely if anyone's watching this like a day or two later and thinks it would be fun to participate in in the future, please let us know. We can try to try to run this again. Yeah, I am totally up for running this again sometime. It did take me a little while to come up with what I felt were good questions for this. And like I said, it is a little bit of an experiment. There are 11 questions, although only the first 10 are scored. And like I said, we will stop periodically after each question to talk a little bit about it when there's some things to say. All right, here's our first question. Which song does not appear on the 1999 To Be A Master album? Your choices are Misty's song... My Best Friends, Everything Changes, or Song of Jigglypuff? And the correct answer is Song of Jigglypuff. That is actually on the... I did start off with what I hoped was a little (laughs) bit of an easy question. Jigglypuff was in the anime by the time the 
To Be A Master album came out, but that song is actually on Totally Pokemon, or the Pokemon 3 soundtrack. Okay, Anne, answer that very quickly. Uh, the faster you answer, the more points you get. Anne has 827 points. I believe the maximum is 1,000 on a normal question, assuming you can buzz in like the instant the choices appear. All right, well, we'll go on to question two now. Mark Muller, co-writer of Somewhere Someday, is known for writing the theme to which of these TV shows? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, 1987, Garfield and Friends, Super Mario World, or Chippendale Rescue Rangers? Gosh, I'm not. And the correct answer is Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Uh, yes! He also wrote, <laughs> he also wrote the theme song to DuckTales, but since there was obviously that movie, I haven't seen it yet because they don't have Disney+, Plus, unfortunately, that does the Where Are They Now thing with the Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Um, I forget who wrote <laughs> most of the other ones on there. I do know Super Mario World was written by a different Mark. Uh, Mark Mothersbaugh, I think is how it's pronounced, but he's originally from Devo. But uh, Mark Muller, who wrote Chippendale Rescue Rangers, wrote that, also wrote DuckTales. So I uh, should have probably said before we started this that reading some of my stuff will help you with some of the questions on here because I did get a chance to interview Mark back in 2017 when the DuckTales reboot came out. Uh, apparently, he did have a uh, small part to play in uh, alerting folks at, I guess, at Atlantic to the NSYNC version of Somewhere Someday. And did you have any, any thoughts on, on any of this, or just, just kind of curious? No, that's very cool. I, I don't know if, like, I if I did know this beforehand, it had kind of left my memory, but there's just something about the, the chords of the Chippendale Rescue Ranger song and, like, that progression that struck me as like, if anyone on this list was a candidate for, you know, being a match, that was it. So it's kind of interesting to hear that he also did the DuckTales theme, because that's another one where, again, the the way the chord progression just really seems to match um, this Pokemon song. Yeah, yeah. Somewhere Some Days does sometimes sound like a slowed down version of the DuckTales theme. I, I really wish I had asked him what a duck blur was, to be honest, but I forgot that part. <laughs> so We'll never know. <laughs> All right, well, let's see how you did points-wise. All right, you got about... A long time for that one. A little, little longer. That was a little bit of a harder question for you, Anne, but you did get about 600 points. You're up to 1468. All right, let's move on to question three. An unwavering heart originally appeared in what generation? Sudden Moon, Black and White, Sword and Shield, X and Y. It's like, I'll, I'll divulge what Anne picked. Uh, she picked Sun and Moon, but the correct answer is Black and White. So it's sometimes, uh. sometimes the song is referred to as Unwavering Emotions. It's sort of a loose translation since the title, I assume, is originally Japanese. Um, or I think it's also commonly associated with the character of Bianca, but that probably would have made it a little bit, that would have been easier if I had said Bianca's theme. But Fair. Um, yeah. <laughs> Too easy. But, but this is this is probably one of the biggest songs to come out of that generation in terms of like video, uh, main series game music. It's it's not the most complex melody, but it's a lot. It it, it definitely fits the unwavering heart aspect. Do you, you know which track I'm talking about, Anne? Right? Um, I think so. Yeah. All right. Well, Anne, no points for that one since you did get uh, get it wrong. But we'll move on to the next question. That's okay. Cahoots is telling me it believes in me. 
Aim to be a Pokemon Master is used in which side game? Pokemon Puzzle Challenge, Pokemon Pinball, Pokemon Channel, or Pokemon Stadium? I feel confident on this one. And the correct answer is Pokemon Pinball, which uh, kind of sadly may be one of the reasons that game never made it to the 3DS Virtual Console, if I had to guess a reason for that, because the, um, the Game Boy Advance one is, but this one is not. Pokemon Pinball, yeah, it has aimed to be a Pokemon Master as one of the table, I think it's the Ketchum slash Evolution themes on there. It actually says, like, let's get Pokemon on there. I can only assume one of the reasons they didn't switch it over to the English one is just because it wasn't, uh, this was pretty early uh, in the lifetime of the franchise coming to the West. <laughs> but um, it's the Pokemon Pinball itself has some stuff from, like, gold and silver it's possible some stuff showed up even later in there. It's got some neat arrangements of, of stuff. It, it was It's musically a very interesting game. Anna, did you have anything to add to that? Um, yeah, and as you say, musically an interesting game. I have a lot of uh, fond slash panicked memories of uh, trying to catch slash evolve a Pokemon. And, like, Mizase Pokemon Master starts playing at, like, 500 times speed. So, no, I'm... I do rather like that song, though, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah, I think mechanically it works pretty well. All right, let's see. And you got about... Oh, you got that very quickly. You got almost 900 points or thereabouts there. You're at 2314 as your score so far. Okay, let's move on to the next question. In 2021, Pokemon released a spoof of Never Gonna Give You Up centered on what species? Bidoof? Psyduck? Pikachu or Magikarp? I should know this. I should. Ah, it's Bidoof. Of course it's Bidoof. Yeah, so the correct answer is actually Bidoof. And it looks like you guessed Psyduck, which is not a bad guess, but... And you might have had an easier time with this question if you played more Pokemon Go, because this was right at the end of a uh, string of Pokemon Go Bidoof days for whatever reason. Then again, maybe you dissociated because they also did that Bidoof animation short. <laughs> but yes, this was a, a spoof of Rick Astley's Never Gonna Give You Up, based around Bidoof with a lot of like game footage and other animations. I think some stuff from the anime. I don't know who sings it. It's probably Haven Pashal sings it. I don't know who wrote it. It might be Ed Goldfarb wrote this one up there. But it, yeah, so personally, I kind of like to, to mash... Um, Never going to give you up with uh, what kind of Pokemon are you, because I think they flow into each other nicely. So that's kind of my preference there. Oh, yeah. Somebody somebody work on that fan cover, <laughs> fan remix. All right. Well, no points for that one. Uh, let's take a look at our next question. In Pokemon Red and Blue, which of these cities uses a different theme than the others? Celadon City, Viridian City, Saffron City, Pewter City. I thought I knew it, and now, because my gut says Celadon City, but now that I'm thinking about it, I think it's actually Viridian City, but I'm going to go with my gut, because that's what they told me to do on the multiple choice tests. <laughs> All right, well, the uh, correct answer is Celadon City. Yeah! <laughs> yeah, for, for whatever reason, there's also... Um, Cerulean City and Fuchsia City also use the same theme for whatever reason. Um, I guess they just didn't have enough time to make different things, or maybe there's some other nomenclature there. But yes, yeah, Celadon City uses a different theme than the other three. 
which all use the same thing, Viridian, Pewter, and Saffron, which is, I guess, especially interesting since Pewter and Viridian are right, you know, other than the forest, are right next to each other. Right, yeah. Um, I do... I do kind of with, wish with some of the remakes they had differentiated them more. Like, even if they don't totally change it, they use different instrumentation for each. Mm-hmm. In the later games, like, I know I know two of the cities in Gold and Silver have the same theme in, in Johto. So it's not something they totally gave up on. But I think in the later games, they do a better job of that. I don't know if Junichi Masuda was also, like, a programmer on the original Pokemon game. So he might have just been really stretched thin there, in addition to doing all the music in there. So, yeah, no, I'm kind of reminded of that world ends with you kind of poke the fourth wall line where they're basically being like, sometimes you can't finish your game on time and you just do it. <laughs> All right, let's see. So, yeah, there was about uh, 500 points there for Anne. So pretty good. But, yeah, you admitted you had a little bit of trouble figuring out which to pick there. Yeah, that one was tougher. All right, we, we got a couple more questions. The first performance of Pokemon Symphonic Evolutions was in what city? Seattle, Washington, Washington, D.C., Dallas, Texas, New York, New York. The first one. Hmm. All right. The correct answer is Washington, D.C. I think, Anne, it looks like you guessed New York, New York. No. <laughs> um... Not a bad guess, but I have an unfair advantage since I was at this concert. This was at the Pokemon World Championships in 2014, um, I believe, that year. Worlds was also in D.C. in 2019, but they didn't do another concert then. Really a, a fun time there. And I know you didn't get a chance to go to one of these. I'm pretty sure they came to at least Denver and or Salt Lake City. I don't know if they did both or one, but I'm pretty sure they did at least one of those. But it just sort of passed you by yeah. there, it sounds like. Unfortunately, but it does sound like it was lovely. Like you, I think you interviewed a violinist there, right? Like, or yeah, I had a chance to interview the concert mistress. That's yeah. the first chair, first violin of the orchestra. I uh, managed to catch her on the way out. We did a written interview back then, um, so that was a lot of fun, and that was nice to be able to to get that in there. I also went to another one of these that was in Milwaukee the following year, and I did an interview with my mom about that one, who was a uh, now retired orchestra teacher. She actually just formally retired recently, as of when we're recording this. But yeah, and this this concert series may come up again because I, I want to do in the future. I want to do a thing of like, what's the best version of the Pokemon uh, English theme song out there, where we compare all the official versions of it. And this this uh, concert series, they did a version of that. Okay, and missed that one as well. But you know, you can't win them all. We'll be going on to the next question now. How many members were in the music group Johto? Four, six, seven, or five? I think it was. No, maybe it's too late. So the correct answer is six. Oh. Uh, if I re- yeah, uh, pretty sure about that one. I think there were three males, three females, different ethnicities. So they tried to spread things out as well as they could. But yes, but Johto wasn't just the name of the gold and silver and crystal region, but it was also the name of a group that appears on Totally Pokemon and the Pokemon 3 soundtrack. No, I do remember that. I don't remember terribly loving the Johto Poke Rap a lot, but I, I do remember loving like the energy of that group performing it. Like, I don't know, it just kind of filled your, your young vibes of, of S Club 7 kind of niche in my soul. <laughs> Yeah, a little bit like that, I suppose. I, I've been trying to track those members down. I've 
found traces of them online now and again, but never been able to get in touch with one of them. So if someone is, uh, feel free to uh, send them my way, and I should probably do another look again for that to see what they're up to at the moment. Okay, Anne did get that one, by the way, so she got a fair number of points on it. She's up to 37.24 at this point. Who wrote the music for Pokemon Trading Card Game for Game Boy? Ichiro Shimakura, Minako Amano, Ikuku Mumori, or Tsukasa Tawada? Mm. Okay, the correct answer is Ichiro Shimakura. Hopefully I said those about right. Um, so Ichiro uh, worked for Hudson for a while. He also worked on some of the Mario Party stuff that Hudson did. And it looks like you answered Tsukasa Tawada. Nah. Um, <laughs> who worked on, and still works on, the um, Genius Sonority Pokemon game. So that's the uh, XD Gale of Darkness, Pokemon Coliseum, Pokemon Battle Revolution, Troze, Cafe Mix is the latest thing that he's worked on. I'm sure whatever they're working on next, he's, he's on there too. He's also worked on a couple of non-Pokemon games for music. Minako Amano worked on Pokemon Puzzle Challenge, though she's much better known for her work on the Metroid series. Um, Ikoku Mumori is the person who worked on Pokemon Snap, if I remember correctly, um, when I looked these up earlier today when I was writing these questions. Um, so they were all, you know, somewhat valid names in there. I didn't try to put anything too far off on there. <laughs> all right, well, we have a couple more questions on this one. The Master Saga is a compilation of Pokemon music from what country? Australia? Mexico? Italy? Turkey. I think I know this one pretty easily. Would be really embarrassing if I got it wrong, but... So the correct answer is Italy. So for those not aware, for the first 10 seasons or so of the anime, um, as was common in the country for other shows as well, Italy uses its own themes for the Pokemon anime openings. Uh, They're different than what you have in the rest of the Western countries. And you can actually, thankfully, pick up most of those, regardless of what country you live in, on uh, the Master Saga, as well as a couple of other albums. It's interesting, they even went so far as to um, do a special theme for Pokemon Chronicles. Um, And even if you don't understand Italian beyond things on the menu, um, I strongly recommend you check some of that stuff out. We talked about it a lot in our European Pokemon music episode that we did a couple years ago. Um, so a lot of fun stuff there. I'm not surprised that since Anne did a lot of research on on that side of things, that she uh, got that one relatively quickly. Anne, anything you want to tack on here? Yeah, I just agree. Like, definitely check it out if you haven't. Like, those tracks, like, I don't speak Italian, but they're a lot of fun, and they're so energetic. And several of those songs, like, not just on our European Pokemon music discussion, have crept into other discussions as well. So it's like it's definitely worth your time. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly how all of that got started, but yeah, Mediaset, uh, who I guess handled the distribution or localization or something in there, would uh, write new themes for a lot of well-known stuff, like the uh, like the Super Mario Bros. Super Show has a different theme in Italy for that, um, and so many other shows there. Like I said, don't know how that happened, but they did definitely put production value into them, and a lot of them sound quite good. Okay, Anne, let's see here. You're up to 45.53, so I figured you'd get that one pretty quickly. This is doing wonders for my ego. 
I'm loving this. <laughs> All right, this is a non-scoring question. Which of these episodes of the PokePress Digest podcast is the most played? The Ooh. music of Hoopa and the Clash of Ages, Pokemon Heroes music slash Oceana IC 2017, if in excess to the Pokemon song slash Midwest Regionals 2016, European Pokemon music slash more shorts. How close am I? So, oh my gosh, did I get it? <laughs> yeah, so Anne did get this right. The correct answer is if NXS did a Pokemon song slash Midwest Regionals 2016. Now, well, it is possible that the Midwest Regionals 2016 is the big draw here. Um, so this is a thing that Anne and I did a long time ago, back in like 2017, where we each picked a band. Now, I have to tell you, Anne, you picked Perfume. Their episode has not gotten nearly as many listens as the NXS episode. Perfume fans, where are you at? <laughs> I'm not sure exactly why this is. I picked In Excess, which is an Australian rock group that was active in the 80s and 90s for the most part. My best guess, I'm sure people find it an interesting concept, but I can't imagine there's a huge overlap <laughs> in, in the two of them, maybe. Like, my best guesses are that, that people, like, it's trying to get something out of the word, like, Shinx, which is a near anagram of In Excess. Uh, the way the band name is spelled, I-N-X-S, uh, is literally how it's spelled there. Or the... It thinks it's actually the Pokemon. <laughs> or that they're using the codename of the Nintendo Switch, which is the NX. And if you know NXS's discography, they actually have an album called Switch that they released in 2005. So it's... I guess that's what you get when your uh, chief marketing person uh, <laughs> used to work at VH1. I don't know. <laughs> But um, I, I really don't have a good explanation. That is, if NXS did a Pokemon song, is actually the third most popular episode. These are all popular episodes, actually. Mm -hmm. But uh, that is the third most popular episode uh, to date of the podcast. Obviously, this favors older episodes a little bit, but like uh, the number one episode is the debut episode, our Pokemon 2000 slash My Life in Gaming. And then... Hmm. Uh, number two is our Detective Pikachu music discussion episode, and this is number three. Um, so let's talk about some of the other ones there, since, like I said, I, I just don't have a, a great explanation. All right, let's talk about, first of all, music of Hoopa and the Clash of Ages. So, I'm surprised that one's so high. Yeah, so although the XY movies are not maybe the best regarded by uh, it, the fan base or whatever, you know, they eventually led to the reboot continuity of movies that we're in currently. There is a very clear commercial winner of the XY movies, and it's definitely Hoopa and the Clash of Ages. Even before, like, some of the Pokemon Go stuff, and possibly even before uh, it, it's showing up in Pokemon Masters. Um, Hoopa seems like it's been a very popular Pokemon, and so has its associated movie. So if you look, like, on iTunes, like, I've seen it trace into the top 200 of kids and family. Usually you only see, like, well, obviously Detective Pikachu is usually pretty high up there on iTunes, Kids and Family. Um, Pokemon, the first movie, you'll trace in pretty frequently. You'll see Pokemon 2000 in there a few times a month, usually, when I check in the, the top 200 list for that genre. Koopa and the Class of Ages has made it in there, so it is quite popular um, as a movie, and I guess some of that must translate over to the episode um, where we talk about it. So um, there is a fair amount of material there, both with the, there being two separate scores and different end themes and stuff like that. Going on to the other choices, Pokemon Heroes music slash Oceana IC 2017. 
early episode. Also, I think Pokemon Heroes is just kind of a, a popular movie musically. It's got some great score elements, some great uh, vocal songs in there, so I'm sure people like to hear about that. And then we, we mentioned this episode a little bit earlier, European Pokemon music slash more shorts. European Pokemon music is probably the big draw there. We talked about a lot of different things, um, songs that were unique or very different in the European context. Uh, that's where obviously where we talk about the Italian stuff, but also some German stuff. I don't know, Anne, any other thoughts on this sort of list? Like I said, these are all popular episodes. Yeah. Yeah, no, like, I just, I, I'm happy to see the Pokemon Heroes music one really high because I really enjoyed that episode and, like, there's so much good music. Um, European Pokemon music, too. Like I said, I'm surprised about Hoopa, but as you say, yeah, there was a lot to work with for that one, too. So it's just, this is cool. Yeah, so like I said, I, can, I really cannot, I, I'm, I, I, as a fan of the band, I cannot explain why the NXS episode, you know, maybe we should do more of those If Blank to the Pokemon song episodes. <laughs> I've, I've thought about that. For real. I've got some ideas for, for like well, Bon Jovi fun. and maybe a couple other groups out there. But if you want us to revisit that, let us know. Because that episode seems to have done quite well. I don't know if it's just that outrageous or if people think NXS, the way it's spelled, is a Pokemon they forgot about. But, um, <laughs> um, yeah, so... Let's see, that was the non-scoring question, so no additional points for that one. I didn't think it was completely fair to put that in there. Also, since you could easily look it up if you had time on the uh, SoundCloud page. But, Anne, you got 7 out of uh, 11 correct. I believe that does count the, the one at the end there. 4,553 points. If we do this again, uh, we'll certainly see what happens there. Yes, somebody come challenge my throne. Yes, if you did, by the way, pause the podcast and then take this quiz yourself, let us know what you, what you got there. You can reach us online at pokepress at gmail.com, pokepress on Twitter, or you can always leave a comment on one of these videos. All right, well, speaking of feedback, we have a few things to go over from some recent things I've published. First off... About a month before we recorded this, I had a chance to interview James D. Train Williams. As many of you will know, he does the singing part of the original English poke rap. Um, he's also got some credits on Aaron Carter's Have Some Fun with the Funk from the Pokemon the First Movie soundtrack. So he does show up on actually both of those albums, which is kind of neat. Uh, I had a chance, like I said, to talk to him recently and learned a lot of stuff. I, I got a, a number of uh, comments here from like DDD033, who thinks it's really cool. And uh, let's see, Richard Wright also felt that was uh, r really neat. You know, it was an interesting experience because remember, when this is the first like full English Pokemon song that gets recorded because, like, yes, there is a theme song for the TV show, but the full version of that comes much later. <laughs> And, you know, he had to go off of virtually nothing. Now, he admits he didn't have to say the actual Pokemon name, so he had the easy part, um, as opposed to Bobby Floyd. Um, and speaking of which, one thing that D-Train let us know is Bobby Floyd, the guy who did the Pokemon names on there, and sadly is no longer with us, um, he was actually the voice you, you would hear in, like, the 80s and 90s in a lot of Jamaican tourism ads as sort of a stand-in for Bob Marley. Uh, singing one of his songs in there, or a variation of it, to put it in there. So DDO3 says, yes, I've seen those commercials with uh, Bobby Floyd, the other half of the poke rap. And um, I'm sure you've, se you've seen this one. If you're listening to this on the podcast feed, you have to go back about, about four or five episodes to, to find it. But uh, any thoughts on the interview overall? 
No, this is so cool that you were able to have a conversation with him. Like, again, he has a lot of stories about working in um, entertainment. And it's just, I don't know, it's like, it's always a little mind boggling when you're able to talk to somebody who like, who is the voice of your childhood in a way who who did something that is so iconic. Like I can picture the poke rap and the exact sound of it in my head. So that's very cool. Yeah, it was a great opportunity. Uh, just in case you're curious, I got it through Paul Umbach, who I interviewed last year, who did uh, the engineering work on Have Some Fun with the Funk. D-Train is someone I've been looking to for a while. He's got quite a varied career. Uh, he's in the process of getting a um, an, not, internship isn't the right word. What is it? Oh, a residency uh, set up in Las Vegas, where he lives nowadays. <laughs> Yeah, so he has a very interesting career, a lot of interesting stuff in there. I don't want to spoil too much of it, but definitely give it a listen if you haven't done so already. All right, and then also in the same month, uh, we're recording this in June uh, 2022, in May of 2022. uh, Every month I try and do a Pokemon Go Community Day recap. So for May 2022, I took the opportunity to take the bus all the way from Madison down to Chicago they had an actual like Niantic stand there for Community Day, and I wanted to say hello there. This was, by the way, a Lolan Geodude Community Day for, for this one. Um, I kind of basically want the short version of my experience. It's It was an interesting thing. I'm glad I did it once. It's not something I would probably wait three and a half hours on a bus in each direction during the same day to do again. But DDD033 says, uh, I didn't miss Community Day this time. He got two shiny Alolan Geodude on his work break. Uh, and, you know, you work in a restaurant, and oftentimes you do have to work weekends because people eat on the weekends. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I know you don't play as much Pokemon Go as sometimes you would like. Uh, we kind of find that out uh, talking about Shadow Pokemon. <laughs> but I guess you can kind of relate to this first comment here, huh? Yes, indeed I can. When it, Pokemon Go first first came out, like, yes, these were my sorts of experiences, but, yeah, no, sorry, I don't play Pokemon Go much anymore. I've got to play Pokemon Snap for the 500th time. Like, life is short. Yeah. And he left the second comment, DDDO33, says, uh, it sounds like you had a l- fun. Glad you did. Um, and he mentions that... Um, I have a Galar Slowbro buddy also. So I used to use, I think, uh, I'm Female Nidoran as my buddy. But uh, ever since I evolved it, I used the Galarian Slowbro as my buddy. And I put down as a response, I think I like it because the arm cannon reminds me of Samus from Metroid. So (laughs) once you see it, you know, well, you won't be able to unsee it anymore. Um The only other thing I want to mention, it was actually raining a fair bit uh, in Chicago uh, that day, so not the most fun on that end. It could be a lot worse. It wasn't any lightning, so. All right. Well, just one more quick reminder. If you have any comments on this or anything else we've talked about, uh, you can always leave a comment on one of our videos. You can also give us an email, pokepress at gmail.com, or you can send it to at pokepress on Twitter. All right. Well, we're continuing through the Pokemon side games. Our next one to discuss is Pokemon Ranger Shadows of Almia. So you may remember last year we talked about the first Pokemon Ranger game. And this is the follow-up. Now this is the first Ranger game was more or less a Gen 3 game. This is a full-on Gen 4 game. It has a 
mostly new set of music and all that stuff. And I don't remember, did you ever make it past the first game, or how far did you get with this this sub-series? I have not... It's kind of like Mystery Dungeon. I've not played Ranger, the second one, so... This'll be a new one for me. I think my local secondhand gaming shop has had it on display for a while, though. So this is one that I may be able to pick up and play before we record, though. So, Well, your other option, it's a little more inconvenient than it used to be, uh, especially by the time this gets out in the podcast feed. But it is available on the Wii U eShop, although, like I said, they've been sort of making that less and less convenient to add money to. But I think you still can, through a little rigmarole, make it happen there. But uh, until then, Anne, thank you very much for being on. Thank you. All right, folks, thanks. Thanks for listening to the PokePress Digest podcast. We'd appreciate if you rate or review us on your podcast app of choice. If you'd like to find more of our great content, visit our website at pokepress.blogspot.com. If you'd like to contact us, send an email to pokepress at gmail.com or follow at pokepress on Twitter. Okay, well, we've discussed the music. I guess at this point we should discuss the... Well, this is another one of those. Ambrello seems to always get these projects that sort of stand right on the boundary of what's a game and what's not. And my Pokemon Rant is not an exception for somewhat different reasons. It's more of a storage uh, solution than anything else. But uh, this game doesn't have that great of a reputation. Uh, It's a little different from, I think, Pokemon Dash, which seemed like it was more or less just a rush job with some real control issues and stuff like that. This one, it does what it says on the tin, but it seems like a lot of folks didn't seem to think it was worth it. Now, Anne, you, did, you didn't really get to play this, but based on what you've learned, if you had a Wii and a DS and all that stuff, do you think you would have sprung the basically 10 bucks for this back in the day? That's the thing. Back in the day, I don't know if I would, because on the one hand, like, I love and did love that that conceit of, like, your me characters interacting with Pokemon, because I love the me characters interacting with anything, like, any when they used to show up in Mario Kart waving you on, or, like, I think it was Wii Fit, where, like, your friend's Miis would be in the stands cheering you as you ran. I was here for that. So I think I would have loved the idea, but back in the day, 10 bucks, I might have balked at it, especially given the reputation it has. I think a lot of other people did too, or like 10 bucks is a little much for something that's kind of just a cute novelty. But I think if something similar like this happened today, like people spend five to 10 bucks on like a phone app that does very little, no problem on like, again, a a little gimmick or a conceit. I wonder if like the timing is everything. Because back in the day, 10 bucks for any game, even if it was a little one, felt maybe like a bit much. Whereas now, I feel like 10 bucks for that comparable value or, like, folding it into, like, a Nintendo premium subscription or something might be an easier pill to swallow for the same type of content. So that's my thought. Well, to a certain degree, you do have to compare to what you got for free for channels on the Wii, because it is sort of mm. in a not completely dissimilar space as a, you know, a channel that you sort of just check periodically. You know, you got, obviously, you got the Me channel, 
There was also the Check Me Out channel where you had like Me Maker contests. I believe, pretty sure that was free. There was the Forecast channel where you got the the weather. Um, there was a news channel. Uh, let's see, there was the Everybody Votes channel, which I, I had a lot of f fun with that while that ran. Um, let's see, there's a web browser that you got with it. Um, eventually there was a free YouTube channel and stuff like that. You know, you look at all that stuff, and there might be one or two others that were free channel downloads. You know, compared to spending $10 on a Pokemon storage solution like this, maybe it doesn't sound like the best value there. True. I mean, it's, it's definitely got charm to it. There's some stuff we'll talk about in the various things there, but I don't know. If this had been something, you know, if, if Nintendo would have just, have, or the Pokemon would just eat the cost of making it, and then just put it out there for people who have Diamond or Pearl, you know, to spur on a couple extra sales here or there. Certainly, people would have, wouldn't have balked at a, you know, a free thing. They might still have ridiculed it a bit, but it's like, you know. Yeah. Or like the, the current thing they do now, like the free with the in-app purchases mm. option. Yeah, sort of the, the freemium model. Yes. <laughs> or free to start is the term Nintendo uses, which I think is a little more honest. Yeah, no, you're right. I when you bring up all the other free downloadable me options, it kind of you're right starts to look a little bit sus. <laughs> like I, I can see a lot of people thinking they would have gotten more content than they did. Yeah, and, and let's talk about some of that content. First off, there are some folks who will come to visit you. I don't know if this works now that things are turned off for online, but at least when it originally came, you would get various folks who would come over to your stuff based on like who was on your friends list. You know, I think you could maybe do some stuff with, like, someone else's DS. Also, I think, like, one of the people who come in there, like, like there would be themed people who are, I guess, I think were built into the game, but I'm not entirely sure, who would, like, they'd have rants that was based on their Mii's appearance and stuff like that. And I think at one point you eventually get, like, I think it's Junichi Masuda himself has a Mii that comes in there that visits your ranch. So you do see that kind of stuff uh -huh. on the, at least the first week or so or whatever. At least when this originally came out, which was kind of nice. And then, let's see, there's all these little event-type things. So I actually ended up looking up a video, or coming across a video, I should say, on this. Basically, if you get certain Pokémon into your ranch, after about five minutes, the game will randomly pick some sort of demo to do. You've, made, you've seen probably at least some of these if you've played this game at all, like the Totem and some other stuff. It turns out there's about, like I said, 29 of them. If you get the Japanese version that you... And, and the update that they got for Platinum, um, which are kind of neat things. Um, I encourage you, There's like I said, there's a video that was put out about a month ago that has the 29 known ones that are in there, including the dozen or so that were added with the Platinum update in Japan. And there, there's a, a bunch of ones that are dances of some sort. Um, there's one that's a reference to Pokemon Dash, of all things. You get all the Pokemon, there, the defaults in there, the decided to reference that one in there. <laughs> and they also have one that's like a model. It uses like Soul Rock and Lunatone as a model of a solar system and stuff like that. There's one that uses all the unknown, if you can get all 28 unknown into the into your My Pokemon Ranch. So there's actually some decent creativity there. The bad news is, first of all, you have to wait to see if once you've got the Pokemon in there, if you get that stuff... Um, and that that takes a lot of effort for, you know, the payoff that you get there. And I don't know if you saw a video of any of those, but do you have any thoughts on, on those events? I 
did I did watch a few little videos and like again as you say like some fun little creativity. I feel like there we get the same thing in Pokemon Snap where the Pokemon if you do the right thing the Pokemon will do something cute and you can take a picture of it. Like that's a lot to do to wait around and hope that your event triggers. As you said earlier, you said something interesting like there was a lot of creativity. And I think that's something with these Umbrella games that we've kind of brought up a lot. It's like there's a lot of really interesting ideas in their games that just never seem to really go well for them. Well, well, with some games like like Hey You Pikachu, it's like either you get it or you don't, Mm -hmm. Uh, which is true of a lot of Pokemon side games is that they're either of interest to you or, or not. Yeah, yeah, definitely some theming and charm. I mean, they try to give it a little bit of a personality, which was nice. A couple other things. What did you think of the Pokemon models? They're very low polygon. That's mostly so that, you know, eventually you can get over a thousand of them in there. The the Wii would absolutely choke if we tried to use anything. Like, even, even N64 models for Stadium, those might really bog stuff down if they had that many polygons. What, what did you think of the models? I mean... I don't love them, but like, again, if they're next to the Miis and that's the world you're living in, they fit the style and they look like I can tell which Pokemon is which and I'm lo- I'm okay with it. But like, if you take them out of the context they're in, I, I don't love them. But that's the same for like the Pokemon Stadium models. It's like, they're great for Pokemon Stadium. If I put them in like Sword and Shield, I'm like, that's not a great model. So... Well, we'll be seeing more of them. The same models are pretty much used in the Pokemon Rumble games, which are the rest of uh, Umbrella's uh, output for the rest of their existence. Those those are definitely more gamey. Those are some of the, the, the most traditional game-type stuff that Umbrella's produced. You had mentioned earlier that there was sort of a, a daily play aspect to it, and the, and the game does do that. You, you get a, like, Haley will bring a new Pokemon in every day you play the game. And in fact, if you get up to the maximum level, you can actually get a Mew that you can trade for, which is, like I said, around a thousand Pokemon. But, um, like, the, the, that whole, like, paradigm there goes back to stuff like brain training on the DS. And then you had mentioned We Fit, which was obviously very much uh, attuned to that type of thing in there. Like, I gave up on this after like a week or two because I kind of got bored with it and, and didn't want to go through all that trouble just to get a Mew or some of the other Pokemon that Haley brings you can trade for. But, and do you think the, the carrot, do you think that works? Or, or how do you feel about the whole thing there? I mean... Again, these are a lot of interesting ideas. I'd love it as if it were combined with something like Pokemon Ami. I don't love it as a separate entity <laughs> by itself that you have to log out of your Diamond and Pearl game to go do. And you have to do it so often to get a very little thing. I, I mean, I see its value if, like, I'm going for that Fioni and cannot find it anywhere else but yeah like again you say you got bored with it after a week i absolutely see that happening to myself and a lot of other people and the fact that it's not part of the game you're already playing diamond and pearl i think kind of hurts it it the concept of this works better folded in i see the logic in like we need a place to store all your pokemon outside of the game so let's make it fun, but I don't know if you actually needed that. So, 
Like, I don't think it actually fulfilled a need of the consumer. So it feels just a little bit lackluster and silly in that sense. Yeah, to be kind of honest there, I'm not sure. You know, I haven't used Pokemon Home much. I'm actually, to be honest, not that attached to, like, the Pokemon that I built up in-game that I need to transfer them from generation to generation to generation. Even though you, like, like now you you can go all the way from, like, either, like, 3DS Virtual Console or from, like, the Game Boy Advance uh, games or, like, you know, and thereabouts, you can still bring all those Pokemon all the way up through a complicated series of maneuvers, but... <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm not the right market for this type of thing either. I mean, compared to, I guess, what Pokemon Box goes for on the used market, $10 may not seem like a lot, but... Uh... Yeah, I, d- I definitely think there was a point in my life where something like this might have had more of an attraction to me, or like Pokemon Home, too, and the pr- the thought of, you know, bringing along my team of amazing Magikarp up from Pokemon Crystal to just wreck everything. Like... I I think you're right in saying, like, we may not necessarily be the audience that would be super into that. But I definitely do think that there's definitely a reason that people don't always like these ideas, too. Like, for my Pokemon Ranch, especially. Yeah, so, you know, definitely some love put in here, but I'm just not sure it it amounted to something that was worth the, the admission price, the asking price. Remind me, did we have, by Diamond and Pearl, a way to interact with your Pokemon at all? Like, like again, in that kind of, like, taking care of your Pokemon after the battle or Pokemon and me kind of thing. Did we have that by Diamond and Pearl, or was that a later edition? Pokemon and me, I'm pretty sure, was X and Y. Right. And if we didn't, did we have anything like it before that? Not really that I can think of. Nothing yeah. on that level. I mean, in, like... Heart Gold Soul Silver, they let you have your Pokemon follow you around. They brought that feature back. Um, so that was one thing there, but yeah. Yeah, because I, I feel like we've talked on certain other games that, you know, like Dash and the like, where it's like there's some really interesting ideas in Pokemon Channel and the like that weren't great games, but they might have like fueled later creativity. I wonder if this was like, something that inspired like those opportunities to interact and take care of your Pokemon in future games was the thought that, again, I would have been all over the idea of being able to see my Pokemon go by in a parade and like interact with my me. But again, I feel like just the execution of this idea didn't work so great. But that initial creative spark might of this game that maybe flopped might have sparked something in a future game that worked out really well. So like that's kind of an interesting thought. <laughs> 